Commonwealth Court President Judge Kevin Brobson would like you to elect him to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court in November, but first he must win the Republican primary on May 18th. In full disclosure, Commonwealth Partners has endorsed Kevin over the other two Republican candidates. We've done so because, one, he's the most qualified candidate, two, he's the most electorally viable candidate, unlike the other candidate from Pittsburgh, and three, he is not beholden to trial lawyers and unions, like the candidate from Philadelphia is. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to Brews and Views. I'm Matt Briette, President and CEO of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs, and I'm having a cup of coffee with Commonwealth Court Judge uh, Kevin Brobson. Kevin, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Matt. I, I, I call you Judge, and you say, call me Kevin. Mm-hmm. So I will call you Kevin, uh, but out of respect. I'll call you Mr. Briette. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's my father, right? Uh, and you can't say that, uh, you know, Judge Brobson's your father, because uh, your father was a state policeman, right? Or he state, was. State uh, trooper. Uh, but before we get into sort of your, your family, um, just for our listeners, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, your run for the Supreme Court, uh, and uh, which is a, a race this year. Lots of people, uh, amazingly, uh, are oblivious to elections. They're like, didn't we just finish something in November? Do we really have to do this again? And yes, we have to do this again. Uh, actually, we're fortunate to be able to do it, that uh, we get to elect uh, our people, our representatives. And so uh, you're in a race, uh, a three-way race for the Republican nomination. Uh, the Democrats uh, rallied around one, so they only have one uh, person on the ballot in May. May 18's the the uh, primary. And folks, make sure you have a plan how you're going to uh, vote, whether it's showing up in person or by mail. But first of all, welcome to Brews and Views. Thank I you. hope you like the coffee here that we serve at, at Commonwealth Partners. Uh, and as we're recording, we just uh, released our endorsement of you. So without hiding any balls of, of where we stand, that uh, we fully uh, support your run for the Supreme Court. Um, tell us about where you grew up, uh, how you even got interested in the law, and if you ever saw yourself you know, becoming a judge. Uh, but uh, where did you grow up, Kevin? I grew up in north central Pennsylvania, Lycoming County, a little town called Montoursville, Pennsylvania. Uh, and uh, my, my father was a Pennsylvania State Trooper, as you said. He's originally from Philadelphia, uh, went into the Air Force, came out of the Air Force, went to the State Police Academy in Hershey, uh, and uh, got an envelope when he graduated that said he's stationed in Montoursville, Pennsylvania. And he said, that sounds great. Where is where it? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so he went to Montoursville and uh, worked in Troop F and uh, stayed there pretty much his entire career a few times. He got moved around, but my father felt it was important to leave us, uh, myself, my brother, and my sister. I'm the youngest uh, in the same town we grew up in, not move us around when he got promotions. So we stayed in Montoursville pretty much our entire lives. And uh, was this where you kind of developed an interest in the law uh, with your dad as a law enforcement officer? I I think more of an interest in public service. My father always had an interest in education. So he would go get his bachelor's degree. He even went to get his master's degree in criminal justice. He taught uh, so, so the law was always prevalent in our in our house, but it was really about public service. My grandfather, on my father's side, was a was a Philadelphia City police officer. So there was this strong sense of public service and giving back. 
that we always had instilled in us from a young age. So, uh, you know, the, the becoming the lawyer thing uh, is something I probably always wanted to do. The becoming a judge thing was something I really didn't think a lot about. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, when opportunity hits, uh, you sort of have to take that opportunity. So did you ever think about going into law enforcement following your, you know, your father and grandfather's uh, path? Uh, uh, briefly. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but my father encouraged me, again, to, to really pursue the education, just go uh, do the college. And, and he really, he was the one that really pushed me. Uh, to pursue uh, law school, it's something that he always wanted to do, uh, but he saw this as an opportunity, I guess, to live vicariously through me. So um, it's it's something I saw, I, I showed an early interest in when I was probably about eight or nine years old. And and you ended up going far away to college, right uh, there from Montoursville to uh, what Williamsport? Williamsport, yeah, about five <laughs> minute drive. But it was great because it, uh, it, I had free laundry service, so uh, it worked out pretty well. And when I needed a, a home cooked meal, I got yeah. to go home too. Uh, you know, when when the cafeteria mac and cheese just wasn't wasn't doing it for me. But uh, but look, like like Coleman College, it's a great school in Williamsport, a small liberal arts school. I got accepted to some larger schools, but. Uh, I felt it was right for me, and that's sort of what I tell my kids, too, is, you know, you have to pick a college or a university that is the right thing for you, and, and it worked out for me. And so you ended up going to Lycoming College uh, and then got your law degree uh, later on. Um, all this time, uh, you meet your wife at some point. Uh, your family, tell us about your wife and family. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, so I went directly from college right down the Susquehanna River to Widener University in Harrisburg. You so. canoe? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> some part of it, some parts navigable, some not. Uh, growing up, we intertubed a lot, but I don't think that would have worked yeah. all the way down to Harrisburg. Uh, but I came down and graduated law school, uh, and uh, then clerked for a federal judge for a year in Philadelphia. Came back to Harrisburg, but during that time. Uh, around nine, well, I was in law school around 1993 or 1994. There was a gubernatorial race going on, and my wife uh, actually worked for Governor Ridge when he was Congressman Ridge. Uh, so when uh, that race was going on, she moved from Washington D.C. up to Harrisburg, uh, and that's where we met. We sort of hung out in sort of the same groups. Uh, then uh, when I went to Philadelphia and came back, uh, that's when uh, we started hanging out a little bit more. And mm -hmm. uh, the rest is history. 22 years later, and three kids later, and it's uh, it's been a blessing. And how old are your kids? My oldest is 20. She's a, she's a pediatric cancer survivor, an art therapy student at Seton Hill University. Uh, my oldest son is 18. He's an Eagle Scout. Uh, just got a three-year Army ROTC scholarship, maybe going to GW in the fall. Uh, and then I have a 13-year-old son. He's our caboose. Uh, he's a New York Giants fan. I'm not really sure where that came from. <laughs> I think it has something to do with Saquon Barkley, so I'm kind of okay. giving him some grace there. Okay. Uh, but they keep us going. It's, uh, it's, it's really, the, I think, the greatest accomplishment in my life is my kids. Yeah. Uh, and, and I owe that a lot. You know, owe it all to my wife. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know the same uh, feeling mm -hmm. uh, for sure. So uh, at, at what point did you decide uh, that you wanted to run for judge? Because uh, we run for judges in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, uh, whether it's the, the Court of Common Pleas at the county level, and then uh, we also have two appellate courts. Uh, you are on the Commonwealth Court and currently the president judge, which is uh, an important uh, role. And, and I'd like you to explain a little bit about the Commonwealth Court, your function as the president judge, uh, and then the Superior Court, which is a parallel, if that's the right way to describe it, uh, uh, appeals court that cases run through both of these to the state Supreme Court, or eventually uh, some might make it there. Um, but, but talk about how you decided to run 
for judge, and then talk about uh, you know the Commonwealth Court itself. Sure. Uh, so uh, we, uh, I guess the, the factual story is we were coming back from my daughter's Make a Wish trip um, uh, back in two thousand nine, January two thousand nine. This was right after President Obama got elected. Mm -hmm. This was right after. So so uh, the the, Re the Republican Party was really sort of at a low at that point in time, having lost that race. And uh, I received a phone call the week I got back from that trip uh, asking me to come over and meet with the Republican Party chairman's uh, screening commission or committee at the Hilton. And uh, I said, no. I was like, That's, I, I'm not doing that. I just got back from this trip. You know, all these things are happening in my life. Professionally, things are going well. Uh, but my wife and I uh, you know, thought a lot about it, prayed a lot about it, and decided, look, this window may be opening for a reason. We have to go through it. Uh, so went through that process, uh, and, and it worked out great. Uh, you know, became a Commonwealth Court judge, took office in January 2010, been there ever since. Um, but uh, that's how I got there. If, if you would have told me that was how I was going to become a judge, I, I wouldn't have yeah. fathomed it. If you would have told me I was going to be a Commonwealth Court judge when I was in college, I would have said I don't even know what the Commonwealth Court is. <laughs> um, but, uh, but it worked out great because I've spent 14 years up to that point uh, representing regulated business and industry and those wanting to do business with government mm -hmm. uh, for 14 years. So I had a really good understanding of, of how state government works uh, when it comes to private business and individuals. So going to the Commonwealth Court was a natural transition. Were you uh, before the Commonwealth Court as, as an attorney? Plenty uh, of times. Yes. Plenty of times. Uh, uh, also, also in front of state administrative agencies, whether it was the insurance department or the gaming control board at that time, which was sort of at its infancy, mm -hmm. uh, or the Bureau of Professional Occupational Affairs representing businesses. So that was something I was used to. It was If there was a court that I was going to run for in Pennsylvania, the Commonwealth Court made sense, which kind of goes to your yeah. Your other question about the structure of our court system. Yeah, yeah. So talk about that. So you got the Commonwealth Court, which is where uh, certain types of cases go before, and then we have the Superior Court. Uh, and boy, um, uh, so we've got nine judges on Commonwealth Court and 14, 15, 15. sorry, 15 on the Superior Court, and of course, seven at the state Supreme Court level. Um, talk about the Commonwealth Court, kind of what's the, 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 the bailiwick of issues that come before the Commonwealth Court, and then uh, juxtapose that with, with the Superior Court. Yeah, so, the, so in terms of age, the Commonwealth Court's kind of the baby court of, of our state system. We've been in existence for 51 years, came into existence in the Constitutional Convention of 1968. Um, the idea was, at the time, um, businesses and entrepreneurs and regulated industries in order to challenge state administrative agency action, sort of that, that, that other branch of government that we hear about, uh, had to actually come to Dauphin County, uh, to the Dauphin County Trial Court, Court of Common Pleas, to appeal and challenge state administrative hmm. action. Uh, some people in the state felt that that didn't make a lot of sense because at the time, as you pointed out, we elect our judges, including our county judges. So if I'm a regulated business in Bucks County or Chester County or even Allegheny County, I'm coming in front of a judge who was elected by the people of Dauphin County to challenge something that affects my business and my interests. And that didn't make a lot of sense. So there was this thought that we needed a court that was specialized, that, that understood how important these agency decisions are, how important government action is. So in the Constitutional Convention, they created the Commonwealth Court of Pennsylvania, which is uh, this, what we call a sister court of the Superior Court. So highest court in Pennsylvania, Supreme Court, uh, next level of the judiciary, Superior and Commonwealth, and uh, next level below that is your courts of common pleas, and then you have your magisterial district judges. How the jurisdiction works, the way I explain it to people, is 
the Superior Court deals with appeals from the common pleas courts about whether people are following the law. So criminal cases, personal injury cases, breaches of contract, uh, family disputes, things like that. Um, we hear appeals from the common pleas courts dealing with whether government is following the law. Uh, local election administration, taxation, land use and planning, um, uh, matters affecting uh, local government. And then we have additional appeals from state administrative agency actions, what I was talking about. So appeals from uh, tax decisions from the Department of Revenue, uh, appeals from licensing decisions for architects, accountants, uh, funeral directors, things like that. Appeals from the Gaming Control Board. Uh, we get appeals from workers' comp cases, so injured workers, unemployed people. So we hear all of those appeals. And then finally, the thing that really differentiates ourselves from our sister court, the Superior Court, and any other court in the country is we are also a trial court. So we hear cases challenging state action, whether it's an unconstitutional statute or uh, shutdown orders during a pandemic, things like that come directly to us. So we are not only an appellate court, we are also a trial court in that regard. And you uh, were quite active here during this election season, right? Uh, we, lots we, of things coming before the Commonwealth Court with well, regard to election law. Well, election law and pandemic-related yeah. cases as well. So this, uh, the, the, the COVID has been a has we haven't missed a beat on the Commonwealth Court. We've been pretty busy. So when you when when, when those cases arose, did you have to like jump in front of other cases to address them, whether it was election law because of the timeliness of it, or these shutdowns that? You know, you had businesses coming before you saying that uh, they believe that their constitutional rights were violated by Governor Wolf's uh, orders, executive orders that we have seen didn't have basis in data and, you know, science was not really part of the decision. I mean, so did you have to like leapfrog or put other things aside uh, during that time? Well, it's, it's kind of like a hospital. Uh, so you have the, the, the cases that are coming in every day. And then you have the trauma surgery, uh -huh. right? So, so we still have to do the cases that are coming in every day, but then a trauma comes in, and we mm -hmm. have to jump on those too. So, so there's a certain amount of triage that goes with it. Uh, the, the good news is that even despite the pandemic, uh, the Commonwealth Court hasn't missed a beat. Um, you know, we don't have as many cases as the Superior Court in the sense that that's why they have 15 judges and we have nine. Mm -hmm. But, but our, our caseload is complex. Uh, with the trial court jurisdiction, the injunctions that we get from time to time, uh, that requires us to be nimble. Um, and I think, I think the court has been nimble over the last year or so. It's hard to remember when the whole pandemic thing started. Yeah. But uh, over the last year ago or so, we have continued to work the cases that we have always had to work, plus have been responsive to the urgency of the election uh, issues and the, the, the COVID-related issues. Now, uh, not just in this past year, but over a number of years, uh, you've seen a number of rulings at, say, the Commonwealth Court that have been overturned uh, by a Supreme Court ruling. Uh, I'm thinking of things like uh, redistricting, you know, congressional districting and uh, some of the, the orders with regard to the election law. Um, how do, I mean, how did, is this just, hey, they're looking through a different lens than what we looked at it uh, through Commonwealth Court? Um, how do you see this? Like, it's kind of whiplash, right? I mean, it's like, oh, we're going in this direction. Well, nope, uh, the Supreme Court reversed a, a lower court. Well, it's it, it, the only way you can get 
through being an intermediate appellate court judge, and that's what we refer to ourselves as intermediate appellate court judges, is you have to adopt the philosophy that just because you were reversed doesn't mean you were wrong. Mm. Um, because that's really the only, you know, you can't take it personally. Um, but, uh, you know, the Commonwealth Court is, is, is specialized in the sense that we see these cases every single day. Every case has something to do with a statute, a regulation, a government action, the Constitution. There's something undergirding it every day. And I think prior to probably around 2015, there was probably sort of a healthier respect for what we did in the sense that, uh, that you know, if the Commonwealth Court ruled a certain way, sure, we're the Supreme Court. We have the right to take whatever case we want and hear whatever appeal we want. But the Commonwealth Court judges do this day in and day mm-hmm. out, and they usually have a pretty good sense of it. And correct me if I'm wrong, there are no former Commonwealth Court judges on our Pennsylvania Supreme Court right now. Correct. Hasn't been one on there for 15 years. The last one was Justice Sandra Schultz-Newman, and she was actually only on the Commonwealth Court for two years. So um, didn't have that breadth of experience with that, that you've had over 10 years now. No, no. Uh, and, and, and again, I think it's, uh, it's what my father taught me, sort of the bird's eye view of the worm is different from the worm's eye view of the bird. <laughs> uh, and, and I think it is a matter of perspective. And I think it is a matter about how you're approaching the case. I also think it's a matter that our cases are more interesting. No, yeah. no, no, offense, <laughs> no offense to my friends in the Superior Court. but um, That's but why I, I think five of the seven came from Superior Court that are on the current state Supreme Court. That's correct. They, they want to get out of that uh, business, I guess. You know, it's, it's look, I think the Superior Court does yeoman's work. I mean, they are hearing all these criminal cases, the PCRA cases, the you know, Post-Conviction Relief Act cases. Um, uh, you know, a lot of the criminal cases that come up, um, it's a pretty heavy docket for them, and they're just churning those through. So I give them a lot of credit. It's a, it's a big workload. Um, we have a different type of workload. Our cases, we don't have as many, but they're, they're very complicated uh, statutory construction cases or constitutional cases. So we, take a, we have to take a little bit longer time to handle those. And the, and the Democrats have nominated someone from the Superior Court. Uh, once again, uh, I w- I, we won't mention her name. We don't want anybody voting for her. Uh, uh-huh. But, <laughs> uh, but they, they continue, and it seems that that's the playground in particular for, I, I would say, the special interests, and I'm saying this, not you, special special interests of the trial lawyers and unions, uh, they love to get their people to the Supreme Court because they, they've uh, been able to get lots of favorable rulings. Uh, and unfortunately, this is my commentary once again of, you know, they haven't taken off the team blue jersey from the election uh, when they put the black robe on. And I think we're unfortunately seeing the results of, well, overturned cases from Commonwealth Court and things that rewriting of laws, frankly, uh, with regards to the emergency declaration and uh, things like that. But I won't ask you about those things. Uh, so, so, <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. So uh, you have to get through the May 18 primary. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are two other candidates uh, on the ballot, uh, one from Philadelphia and one from Pittsburgh. Um, and you're from central Pennsylvania, so you're kind of uh, the, 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 the stepchild, if you will, uh, in terms of population area. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you going to win this? How do you win the May 18 uh, primary vote? Well, I think, you look, in 2009, I was the central Pennsylvania candidate as well. And we, we ran a campaign, I say this, that a Republican candidate, whether you're from Allegheny or wherever you're from, Republican candidates have to campaign in all 67 counties. Democratic candidates really only have to campaign in about seven. <laughs> um, uh, if that. If that. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I, I, think, I think for Pennsylvania voters, experience still matters. And I think that there is... Uh, especially now with things that happened last year during the pandemic or dealing with election integrity. 
I think there's a heightened interest in having a candidate on the Supreme Court or a justice on the Supreme Court that will make sure that government is held as accountable to the law as the government expects its citizens to be accountable to the law. And that's what I am offering the voters, and that's the, my message that I'm going out there. Um, this, is, this, this, for me, is not about personal ambition. This, for me, has always been about a belief that our judiciary is apolitical, uh, that, that, like you said, no jerseys are involved. I have a black jersey. Yeah. That's the jersey that I wear. Um, and, and, and just making sure that people have confidence in their judiciary. It's very important to me. Um, it, it's, it's not a question of uh, referring to people who have you know, conspiracy theories or crazy people. I don't like that kind of talk. To me, every Pennsylvanian deserves to have faith in a fair and impartial judiciary. And re the reality right now is many millions of Pennsylvanians don't. And if I can be part of that solution and instill some greater confidence in the judiciary, I want to be part of that solution. Well, so you are in the process of the campaign. Um, we've had discussions about moving from election to a selection process uh, and all sorts of ideas of maybe how we go about doing that. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that uh, the process of electing our judges is a good one? Or should we be going more of like the federal route where you have a gubernatorial appointment and a confirmation process? Uh, uh, have you given thought to, I mean, you're, you're stuck in the system that you're in, right? So, so you got to play by those rules. But do you, have you thought about that? You know, I've, I thought about it certainly when I was in private practice, uh, and, I, and I thought about it after the 2009 election. I'll probably think about it after this election, yeah, yeah. too. Like, do uh, I want to do that again yeah, yeah, to put well, someone else through it, huh? Yeah, <laughs> so I'll probably think about that eventually as well. But look, I think, I believe in the Constitution, the framers of the Constitution, the people of Pennsylvania have chosen to elect their judges. And who the heck am I yeah. to question that wisdom? So this is the system that we have, and this is the system I'm running in. And the voters will decide. They will have that say when they go into the voting booth. The, the one thing that's important for me is when I'm running as a judge is um, I don't promise people how I'm going to rule on particular cases. What I promise them is uh, I will be fair. I will be impartial. I apply to the facts, to the law as written, not as someone wanted to re be written. Um, and, and I have a record of protecting constitutional rights, and that's what I am very proud of, and that's what I'm offering. Uh, when I was in private practice, I was in front of plenty of judges that were appointed, plenty of judges that were elected. In my experience, I'm not sure one system guarantees better judges than the other, mm -hmm. um, but, but do I think a system could be devised? Sure. Um, but that's for the people of Pennsylvania to decide. I just, uh, I just am a public servant. Yeah, we've been debating that for a long time. I'm not sure it will ever uh, really be resolved. Uh, yeah. It will be interesting. Uh, well, I wish you all the best uh, in your campaign. Obviously, we are rooting for you uh, with uh, everything that we've got at Commonwealth Partners and Commonwealth Leaders Fund um, because we believe that you are that kind of judge that is team rule of law, not team blue, not team red. And I can say that because we've even been before you uh, and the court. And you're a tough jurist. You're asking the tough questions. Uh, and we didn't get exactly what we wanted, but uh, we understood uh, uh, how the court ruled. Um, and uh, that's what we ask for. That's all we ask for is balls and strikes, not uh, rooting for one team or the other. And I know that that's the kind of jurist uh, you are and would be on our Supreme Court. And that's why we believe we need you uh, on the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. So thanks for joining me on Brews and Views. And um, hopefully uh, we'll be able to talk after you win in November uh, and talk about things uh, at the Supreme Court level one day. Sounds good. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate the support. You bet.
You've been listening to Brews and Views, a production of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. Find us on Facebook at Commonwealth Partners and follow Matt Briette at M-A-T-T-B-R-O-U-I-L-L-E-T-T-E.